This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. and welcome to another episode of Stay Swiss Podcast. Uh, this is episode number 79. Uh, I'm Ben, and as ever, Gary is alongside me, theoretically speaking. We're, we're actually recording this separately, but how are you, my good man? Self-isolating. Yes. As I, I have fa- been for the last three years. <laughs> I love the fact that, like, as as somebody that's like can be quite introverted at times and you know sometimes doesn't necessarily like huge crowds it's like oh no i'm I'm not antisocial i'm just self-isolating there we go yeah that's, that's me yeah I've, I've been prepared for coronavirus since 2016 <laughs> uh, i've been getting ready for it it was amusing I, did, I put it out on my personal twitter that there was a, a news article this morning the bbc felt they had to write a news article telling people how to self-isolate and for me that should just be somebody walking that should just be the a massive, like in Helvetica 60 style font, just says, do not go out. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's easy, isn't it? Self-isolating. Imagine having to tell people how to stay in their own homes. Just, yeah. yeah. I know we're not here to talk about coronavirus, and I understand it's serious, and I'm not going to start pretending to be a medical expert on anything at all, because I'm not. But I, there's so much hysteria. that mm. I'm, I'm not saying right or wrong. But it's like, you know, there's rolling coronavirus updates on the BBC. And the same update, more or less, has been going over all the time. Like, Republic of Ireland has suspended schools. And, you know, with the intimation being that we're doing nothing. You know, Italy, you're locked in your house. Republic of Ireland has spent suspending schools. Games are being played behind closed doors across Europe. Uh, and in the UK, you're told to wash your hands for a little bit longer while singing Happy Birthday. <laughs> yeah, they try and make out that we're completely ridiculous, you know. Anyway, yeah, I'm self-isolating. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's sensible, uh, you know, it's, it's sensible, sensible measures. But yeah. yeah, just don't go hoarding stuff. Like if you've if you're one of the people that's bought like a load of bog roll, I bet you're also the kind of people that cut pe- that cut people up as you get towards the bottom of Canic Hill, which is a 
Oh, anyway, that's another matter. I wondered where you were going there. I thought <laughs> you were going to say the sort of person that cuts people up and puts them in their freezer. I thought we were going, <laughs> I I mean, we were going a little bit dark. That there. too, to be fair, you know, it could well be that. Um, I, 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 un- I understand all the pressure. I'm actually a, a little bit miffed. Um, because when everybody starts getting sent home and it's like snow days when you were a kid, it's basically just going to be like Thursday for me. So at the minute, you know, this uh, sounds awful. There's a level of excitement about coronavirus as well, isn't there? Like, oh, we might all have to sit at home watching Netflix, eating our toenails to survive. And I'm sorry, thinking... <laughs> That's what you do on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, above me eating my toenails, Ben, I am able to go to a shop every now and again <laughs> and, uh, and, and buy some food. But anyway, that's, you know, two minutes, 54 seconds of coronavirus, which is far, um, far more than I anticipated dedicating this podcast to. Absolutely. So, I mean, one one thing that I've, I've literally just seen on Twitter that I think is brilliant that um, we'll probably very briefly discuss before we get into the games. Uh, Moses Swaybu has finished a feature with The Guardian Sport um, about his time at Lincoln and what really happened with the chicken. No, has he really? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right, Ben, what we're going to do is something really unconventional now is when you edit, we're going to stop here so that we can both read the article uh, and then has it has it already been released? Uh, where is it? He says it's going to be released. He says um, just finished my fit. He doesn't give it. He doesn't give it. Oh, time it isn't for out. It. We can't read it. Yeah, I, I, I I'm going to be really interested because uh, I don't follow Moses Swaybu on uh, on Twitter, but I am going to now because that sounds fascinating. I've literally just so, hit follow. <laughs> oh, here we go. One day I'd like to do a one-to-one interview with Delroy Facey. Five years of hindsight he put out two years ago. Okay. Wow. That's, um, I'm going to reach out to Moses Swaybu. If, if his article's any good, we might actually try and get him on the podcast. That'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> Remotely, oh, so he can't lift anything. That'd be brilliant, yeah. Anyway, I mean, let's 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 talk about football. Um, let's talk about actual football. All right, Moses Swaybu was a decent defender until uh, his problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah people actually joke and laugh about him, but at one point during his early stage of his career with Peter Jackson, there was lots of talk of him joining a bigger club from us. I seem to think was it a Villa or somebody like that. That rings a bell. That, that... I don't, yeah. Yeah, and, and then obviously things kind of started to go downhill, and I think he picked up injuries and stuff. And people will only in Lincoln will nearly only ever remember the chicken, won't mm. they? That's the way it is. It's like with Drew Broad, and it doesn't matter how much good work he appears to do on Twitter. Um, some people, some fans, will only ever remember the fact that he was shit. And <laughs> I'm genuinely, I, I noticed he, he keeps putting things out on social media about how you know fans judge players without knowing what's going on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's football, isn't it? Mm. Do you know what? I, I'm not. You know, I wouldn't now say to Drew Broughton that you were a waste of money or you never tried because I know he didn't try. But you can't take away the end, the fact that he was still rubbish. It's like mm. I, when I was at Howden's, you know, I had I had my stress and anxiety issues, and that's not you know Howden's could never come back to me and go, um, you know, you didn't try because it was well, that wasn't the case. But the fact is, I was poor at my job because of it. And if they came back to me and said you were a poor manager. Okay, I can explain why, but they're quite within their rights to say it. So I'll stand by whenever anyone mentions Drew Bort, and I'll stand by the fact that he and, and and proudly say that I think that he was shit for Lincoln because he was. Mm. I understand his reasons behind it, but he was. 
Mm. I don't know how, how have we got onto this? We're six minutes in. We've talked Moses Swayboo chicken, <laughs> Drew Broughton. I mean, you, you just, you just went off on one with, uh, with, 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 Sway, uh, with Drew Broughton. So Drew, I'll, I'll let do, you know. do you know, honestly why, right? Because it winds me up <laughs> because it does wind me up. I, I mean, you know, I am understanding of mental health issues. I've written a book about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 like yourself, I'm open about when I've struggled. I believe you should reach out to people, but, I just also feel that you can't use mental health issues to erase the past. You can use, hmm. you know, you shouldn't use them for any reason. You de- people don't, you don't hear me trying to just, because I was a knob for a while, I'll admit that, right? Around the time 2010, 11, 12, uh, 2009 to 2011. And people would argue it goes back further, uh, much further. Um, but, you know, I, I did some pretty knobbish things and I wasn't particularly brilliant to everybody. I wasn't a nasty person, but do you know what I mean? And I don't try and now justify that by going, oh, you know, I, I did all that because I was suffering. I did all that because I had anxiety or I had stress. You can't erase behavior. It's about understanding and it's about understanding it in other people and trying to help them. And I just feel that there is a tendency with some aspects of mental health awareness that is mm. more apologetic than it is understanding. Does that mm. sound harsh? No, it, I mean, it, it's, and, it doesn't. I, and I think, you, you know, you're right in that giving it away is like, a oh, you know, I had issues with this, so it suddenly makes it all right. It's like, no, it doesn't. You know, like I, like you, I've, I've been, been open with my problems and I've said, you know, there have been points where even fairly recently, you know, I've had to turn around and say, well, okay, it you know no that wasn't good enough all right i understand you know like you said you understand the reasons why you work to improve it and if you can you do but anyway let's I, all i say is i'm not going to go at drew broughton i understand that he was suffering mm. but yeah you know, I, I keep seeing even now kind of you know that's why i was so bad at lincoln and, and i just think yeah I, I get that drew but you were still bad at lincoln and people are still gonna have that opinion of you mm. and the work that you're doing now is absolutely fantastic and and, and fair play and, you know, I'm not saying he particularly uses mental health as a shield. Absolutely not. But some people do. And mm. then that devalues people that really do struggle. Yeah. Um, anyway. I mean, it's, it's like it's like Jason Biggs. He's always going to be known as the kid that shagged a pie. Anyway, um, we'll talk about... Um, let's let's talk about... Uh, the oh, bird. American Pie. Yeah, of course. Yes, there we go. There you go. I was trying to think of a footballer that had shagged a pie. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I, I mistakenly, after eight minutes of pretty much non-football related talk, um, there I am trying to think. Jason Biggs was he right back for Oxford? Upon <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, yeah, Burton. So um, we, uh, we, I think we had a football. we had a we had a bit of a chat over Twitter last week, didn't we? With um, with with Jack, a uh, friend of the pod, and he said that if he, if he'd listened to the podcast before the game, uh, he probably would have had to hand him a noose because it was. We said afterwards, like immediately after we finished recording last week, we went that's a bit of a downer, wasn't it? And said hopefully we'll be on this week talking about a win. Um, but I didn't think it had come in the style that it did because that was a bizarre game of football, wasn't it? I think if you actually listen back, uh, and I'm going to blow my own trumpet before I look like a knob when we move on to the Tom Hopper uh, thing, um, but I actually said that this is exactly the sort of game where both teams would score plenty of goals, um, and my fear was that we weren't going to be able to score the goals, so we weren't going to be able to take advantage of their uh, them at the back or something to that effect. Um and, you know, to be honest, after 15 minutes, I thought I was going to be a rather unhappy, accurate predictor. Because, the, I mean, I, I, as you 
may or may not know, I was there with kind of 26 pupils from the Priory and I sat with um, a guy called uh, Gary Slight, who I've not sat with before, who's long-time Lincoln fan. And he turned to me and he said, this is going to be like Oxford at home, isn't it? What a game we've picked to bring some of these kids to. And that was how the first 15 minutes looked then to me. I thought we were so far off it. It looked like, you know, rather than having two weeks off, it looked like we'd played competitively every day for two weeks. I mean, they were... My 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 exact comments, and I don't know if I wrote this down or not, was it looked to me like uh, a seasoned FIFA professional playing a game on amateur. Mm. That was how easy the passing was. And when they scored their first goal, I just shook my head in disbelief because mm. it was weak, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, the, the thing was, I... I took a bit of a, um, I took a bit of a battering um, on on Twitter for suggesting that um, you know Erdley was at fault for the the two goals, and I, I stand From by it. Particular a... knobhead, by the way, but there was yeah. no need for for that comment. No, I mean you know I've, I I called them out and I said you know let's just maybe take a step and think about the way that you're talking to people because it's. Well, you're being a dick, but um, I didn't mean. I don't, yeah, it's probably not another. That, that's wrong. But it was just it was an insensitive comment. Yeah, I mean, you're not. You're not you know. that big. Yeah, I am. I'm a fan. <laughs> I was. I was. I was actually eating a burger at the time that I read it. <laughs> Fair enough. So anyway, uh, carry on. Anyway, yeah. Like so the thing is, I, I took a bit of a. I took a bit of a battering. Um, and I think the, the thing is, it's like it's kind of like what we were talking about, you know, a couple of minutes ago, where you can acknowledge that something's gone wrong. You can acknowledge your mistake, but also. He was, you know, he was responsible for the crosses that led to two of the goals. So you can say you, you can call them out, and let's be, let's remember as well. At the time that I, t- at the time that I tweeted saying he's been responsible for two goals, they just taken the lead again. So, you know, you can't exactly turn around and say, right, well, you've done it after the game. It's like, no, at the time that that happened, that was literally as it had happened a couple of minutes ago. But anyway. I think never, never tweet <sighs> during a game. I've learned that, and so, and if Andy's listening, Andy Pearson, perhaps great idea for you to take on board as well. Um, you know, none of us should ever tweet during a game. Although, then again, you know, the fact is that we've all probably tweeted something. You, me, and Andy as well. That then, with hindsight, you look back and it's changed the game. So maybe we're actually having a massive impact. Mm. Um, I mean, I disagree. I, I disagree. Go on. Sorry. Uh, well, I, I was going to say, like, the, to, to just carry on a little bit, and I think it's probably where you're going to you're going to say that you disagree on it. it. It was obvious that he was, you know, early was playing without Harry Anderson there, and Harry Anderson has come on leaps and bounds with his defensive game, and he is now he is is the backup for early. If if early's you know getting drawn somewhere, Harry Anderson will come in and he'll cover those areas. But the thing for me was that. Anthony Scully isn't that player yet. He's not quite at that level where he's got the awareness and he knows how Neil Erdley plays. Obviously, it was their first game together. So Erdley was left a little bit exposed. And as a result, he there was too much space on the left uh, for, for Burton to attack. Now, I think the problem is that Erdley was, he was drawn into the middle of the pitch. Um, and when you look at their first goal, he was nearly basically at the, at the penalty spot. So I was a bit, that was where my criticism was coming from. But again, it wasn't that I think Neil Erdy is a bad player. It wasn't that I think he should be dropped. It wasn't that I think he's terrible. He's by far and away, you know, alongside Bozzy, one of the first names on the team sheet. It's just that on Saturday, in my opinion, he was responsible for the two goals. Now tell me why I'm wrong, Gary, because you probably will. Uh, yeah, I, I, I disagree. I don't think that he was particularly responsible for them. Um, there was an element of Anthony Scully. I saw an argument that Scully... 
you know, isn't a, a right winger quite right. Um, there was an argument that he wasn't actually playing in that kind of it's the same role as Harry Anderson. Why Scout has us setting up as a four four one one? It looked far more to me like a four three three. Um, and in that instance, I would probably argue that one of the two holding midfielders, Connor Coventry and Liam Bridcott, might, who whichever one was playing on the right side of the midfield, might have looked to have dropped in as well. I think it was the first goal. I think it was more a lack of comfort with what I perceived to be a new system. And it may well have been four four one one. I have formation conversations all the time with, with my friend Pete on the phone um, that, you know, Formations actually in this day and age mean very little because you can set up very different when you haven't got the ball to when you have got the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, effectively you're playing two formations. And it just it did just look to me, they they looked to overload us in key areas of the field and we didn't know how to manage it. And I think we were set up to go out and play our game, not to neutralise Burton's game. And I think Michael Appleton said, you know, at half time he realised he needed to make tweaks in order to adapt to Burton's game. And when he made those tweaks, Burton came out and had made some of their own. So, you know, I, I put a lot of belief and stock in formations. And in truth, uh, mm. I'm probably wasting my time, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's harsh. And I know that it was tweeted at the time and we could have lost and all that. I think when you've won 3-2, for us to start picking out... Um, who was at fault for the two goals we conceded is like getting five numbers in the bonus ball on the lottery and going, you know, oh, if only I'd got one more number. Do you know what I mean? You, you mm. take what you've got. Um, and I think, um, I think that there was how we responded not to conceding once, but mm-hmm. to go in behind in the game twice was what really impressed me and left me on a high because it wasn't a classic performance. Mm. Um, but I thought that there was enough there for us to, um, yeah, to be more than happy with. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. It was. Um, I, I think it was a. Like I said, it was just a bizarre game. Um, if you, you know, if you're watching that, uh, and I don't think anybody that would be listening to this would, you know, necessarily would fall into this bracket. But if you were watching that as a neutral, I, I, I can't imagine anything that would have probably given you more entertainment for your money. Um, you know, last weekend, um, I thought it was a well, just like I say, not the best performance, but the fact that we came away with the result. So let's um, let's. Can I a- just say before we move on, Moses Swaby, who I've followed what ten minutes ago, was liked two of my posts on Twitter already. I hope <laughs> to God he doesn't buy my A to Z. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so what were we moving oh, on to? Dear. Tom Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say let's let's talk about Hopper because obviously last week we um you know we had the we had a discussion about Tom Hopper and I think um I said again we said during the match um it, it was one of those moments where you sit there and you go okay it's is it is it the curse of the podcast working in reverse um cuz yeah he had a he had a cracking game didn't he Yeah um Anthony Scully will never score twice at Tranmere on Saturday in a million years there isn't a chance of it um, just to hopefully get the curse working again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought Tom probably towards the end of the game um, began to uh, drift out of it. And by then he had done plenty to convince me that I was wrong. Um, I'm not going to go through the stats because I haven't got them in front of me, but all of the stats that I gave you last week, he went against them and proved them all wrong. In fact, uh, 
I, I can't be searching for them. But um, it, you know, he just he turned in a performance that he hadn't turned in in a Lincoln shirt, uh, and that's the beauty of football. And yeah, you know, again, I did say, yeah, you know, I've never called Tom Hopper a bad footballer. I said he was struggling to settle. There was no signs of the fact that he was going to settle for the end of the season. I said that if he wouldn't score three goals between now and the end of the season, and you know, he's now 66.66 recurring percent of the uh, way there. <laughs> um, the first goal, you, know, you talk all you want about Tom's performance. The first goal was all about Anthony Scully. Mm-hmm. You know, tenacity, awareness, closed Burton down, held off for the delivery, pin, put it through at just the right time. Tom timed his run really well. Real danger, he could have been offside because it was a forward pass. It wasn't pulled back. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, you say it's the simplest of finishes, but they're only simple when they go in, aren't they? So, um, and and that goal then clearly gave him confidence because I thought for the next uh, ten minutes or so, um, certainly uh, for in the moments after they retook the lead as well, I thought he was outstanding. And his mm. second goal, if he starts doing that, finding that position on a regular basis, then brilliant. He'll score ten fifteen a season all day long. You know, he's strong, aware, picked up the ball from, I think, George Grant played the ball back in. I think he kept it alive from Neil Erdley's cross. Yep. Um, great centre-forward finish. And a South End fan who I like to have some verbal jousting with every so often uh, on the comments section of my blog actually said that Tom Hopper was deadly from 10 yards. Anywhere inside the area, he's deadly. Mm. Um, and so if we, you know, if that's the first glimpse of the striker that we've paid a room at £150,000 for, uh, I'm happy. Not a Tyler Walker, different type of striker, mm. um, but certainly one that will have huge benefits for us if he keeps it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it, it was that performance that I think, you know, you said we were we were after from him. Um, and obviously, do, do you think there's still an element of, of him getting to the point where he's regaining his fitness? Mm, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, you know, arguably, John Akindi never did. After mm. he had his injury at Barnet, arguably he was never the same player when he came back. So, it's, you know, it's psychologically, there's certainly an element. I think I've chatted to um, several players in the past who have, you know, said that you, you probably don't go in quite as hard sometimes if you've had a bad injury. I think when you look at Liam Hearn, you know, I think psychologically he was a, a top, 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 top striker on his day. Following his injuries, you know, he began to perhaps not go for the odd ball here and there, then not play the odd game here and there. So it can affect you. Um, having spoken to Tom, I think there's a real desire to reach the levels that he was reaching at the start of last season with Southend, where he scored seven in 14. Mm. And I found it very interesting after the game on the radio where he was saying, I felt I'd put the performances in for the last couple of games and the goals were my just reward. And then Michael Appleton kind of came out and said, if Tom puts those performances in every week, we won't need the goals. Mm. And that's two quite contrasting views. And I think Tom is absolutely telling himself that he's there. It's funny because did Michael ask him or Robert was asked him, did the two weeks on the training ground help you become more um, familiar with the club's approach and style of play? Mm. And Tom more or less bit straight back and said, I think I got it before the break anyway. Do you know what I mean? He's he's got that. He's beginning to show that kind of self confidence, and I don't think he did. I think the first couple of games he came in and he admitted he wasn't playing all that well. And mm. a striker is all about arrogant self confidence. Yeah. A good striker has got to be arrogant and self confident, even if it's only for ninety minutes a week. Mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's um, he, he's he's. I think he's starting to show, like you say, the the, the kind of player that he can be. Hopefully, so. Um, obviously, the other um, the other one that we were trying to keep, well, hopefully, trying to keep a close eye on on Saturday was uh, was Alan Sheehan, um, who. I think we said we said on the podcast, obviously, you know, do we think he'd start? And it was yes, it would probably be harsh on Kean Bolger. And I think when it came around, I thought it was incredibly harsh on Bolger. But it's harsh, but it's you've got to make the harsh decisions decisions sometimes as a manager. Um, and I think you know, on paper, it's the right decision to make. So um, I thought he had an okay debut. I thought it was. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of ring rust, and and hopefully uh, this weekend at Tranmere he'll be able to to shake that off and, and put the performance in that he showed the glimpses of. Um, I know there were some people that were saying he was absolutely atrocious. Some people were saying he was his, they were his man of the match, or he was their man of the match. Sorry. Um, where did you fall on it? Because I I thought he was all you know, it was all right. So you fall right in the middle. You yeah. fall on the fence. Is that where you fall on? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get splinters, but I thought he was all right. <laughs> Um, yeah, football's like art. It's all subjective. Um, you know, we, two different people can look at exactly the same thing and come up with two completely different uh, opinions. And, you know, in order to have an opinion, you've got to have a belief on how the game should be played and that shades your opinion. Um, and so Alan she- Sheehan, you know, some people who took it at face value saw two or three misplaced passes, tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the moment where he kind of had designs of playing in goal <laughs> and yeah. said he's, he, he was crap. You actually look at it. First of all, it's a game that we've won. So why again are we having to call players out, which it baffles me. And um, yeah, the, the, probably the correct response because he wasn't utterly woeful. The correct response is he had an all right debut. I, mm. I, you know, and in terms of if you don't think he was excellent, I don't think he was absolutely awful by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Um, personally, I actually thought that he was probably one of our better performers. I thought he had um, he added a balance to the back four. I think some of, of what you described as ring rust is, is also unfamiliarity with those around him. Uh, and when a machine functions, but one of the cogs is slightly out of time with the others, it's that cog that is perceived to be at fault, whereas in actual fact, it could be working really well, but just slightly different to how the other ten are working. Mm. Um, he did misplace two passes. Again, first time he's played on the Sinselbank pitch because they don't train on it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, people have got to take that into account, That judging the pitch. Okay, I know that it's the same for opponents and things like that, but um, you know, judging the pitch is, is, is a big one. I didn't think he played badly. I thought towards the end of the game, his distribution um, looked good. I thought he didn't look like a, a veteran defender coming into the side. He looked to me like a an able first, able-bodied first team player. It was a good debut. It's hard to judge any player on one game. It's hard to judge a player, to be honest, on twenty games. Mm. You know, you need a, a full season, really, especially one that's coming in um, on the back of so few games. So. Again, I, you know, I, I didn't think we actually had a player on Saturday, in my opinion, who had a bad game. Mm. Um, as a team, there was times where we didn't do ourselves justice. We've won 3-2 mm. against a team that was in the Championship two years ago. Yeah. You know, and they've got some great players, Burton. Let's, let's make no mistake about it. You know, Stephen Quinn and, and, and the boy Brayford and John Joe O'Toole. 
uh, the Murray on the wing, Hutchinson on the other wing. They've just got good players all over the field. And personally, I think that if they actually had a Tom Hopper, uh, they'd probably be further up the division than they are because that lad Aikens up top. I know he scored a few goals for them, but I couldn't figure out where he was playing. He was in left back one minute. He was at right wing the other minute. He was sitting deep in midfield. It's just, you know, I couldn't, it's like looking at a bloody Where's Wally book. You didn't know where he was going to pop up next. Mm. And, you know, he's got a few goals, but you could see that they're missing boys. And on another day, we could easily have lost that game 5-3. Mm. Um, but once this eleven settles, and by then it'll be the end of the season and start breaking up. But I mm. think another, if this this eleven settled into another four or five games, and we start defending as I believe we can, we could easily have won the game three nil ourselves. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, you've mentioned there about um, you know about some of the players that, that had a good game. How did we see Josh Vickers's game going? Because I thought despite the fact that there was two conceded, I thought he had a great game. Obviously, the fact oh, yeah. that you know a save penalty will do that for any keeper. But he also made two or three fantastic saves before that, which, you know, they kept they kept us in the game. Um, Universally accepted, isn't it? I don't think I've seen anyone say he had a bad game. Um, I think there was a couple of people saying, oh, you know, when a keeper concedes two, he can't have a good game or something. But Is it Stevie I mean, Wonder? <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, like, I, I thought it was... Um, I thought it was a really solid performance from Josh. Um, and again, curse of the podcast strikes yet again, where I think a few weeks ago we said, uh, or you said, you know, every time that uh, every time that there's a penalty, we, we essentially think it's a goal straight away. Yep. Um, and now, you know, since then we've had two penalties and he's saved two. It's yep. yeah. I mean, I've seen people say it was a poor penalty. I, th- I didn't think it was, no, it was a good save. I didn't think he it was that bad. I, yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really good stop. You know, he got down. It wasn't. It wasn't a great penalty, but it wasn't a bad penalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah he um, got down. He said he got. Sorry, I'm, I cut you off there, and I didn't mean to. But you were going to say he got down well for a big man. No, no, I was saying he got down well. Made, you know, got yeah, down low, made a really good save. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, just for the uh, the curse of the podcast as well. There's no way that Joe Morrell will score against Tranmere. No, absolutely no not. Way. And do you know what? Also, we never seem to get anyone sent off against us. Mm, yeah, Alex I've Woodyard. That. I've never <laughs> seen Alex Woodyard sent off. <laughs> Have you? Never seen Alex Woodyard sent off. No. Although I've yeah, never seen him score an own goal, but he did last week. And with our away record, we never win away. No, absolutely not. So, um, is there anything more we want to talk about regards to Burton? Because I think it was, uh, it was just a weird game, wasn't it? Yeah. Well. We won 3-2, but it was the first time we'd come back from being behind twice in a game at home since, I think, 1996. Mm. Uh, it was a great game for the for the kids. Obviously, the kids from the Priory came along, and some of them are Lincoln fans and don't get to go to games. Um, and and yeah, what a game to try and reignite a passion. And on the back mm. of it, one of the pupils uh, has started uh, his own Lincoln City Instagram account. Oh, wow. Uh, and he's going to start writing, and there was a couple of others brought some writing in that they'd done off their own back. So it was an inspiring game. And, yeah. you know, if that's what football's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. No, that's good stuff. Um, so let's talk about Tranmere then. Um, they are, depending on which table you look at, the form team in the league at the minute, aren't they? 
yeah, over the three game table, they're, they're the form team in the league. They've played three and won the three. If you go back a little bit further than that, they've lost to Wickham, drawn with Bristol Rovers, lost to Portsmouth, lost to Doncaster, lost to Bolton, lost to Sunderland, got beat 6 0 by Man United, lost to Ipswich, drawn with South End. I think you're noticing the, 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 the theme there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what happened, in my opinion, with Tranmere is they got the Man United game. They got a bit of cash mm-hmm. and they thought we can bring in an experienced player or two here and it has paid dividends. The big yeah, the big the big change, in my opinion, from what I've seen, and I might get shot down by Tranmere fans if any's listening to it, is Alex Woodyard. I think mm-hmm. when you've got that industrious midfield in an area, he works hard, he, he breaks up play, you know, what a player to have. Um mm. They're unpredictable in terms of their formation. And I know, again, I've just said that I don't talk about formation, but when you look at uh, their recent formations, 3-4-1-2 against Blackpool, 4-4-1 against Accrington, 4-2-3-1 against Shrewsbury, 4-4-2 against Wickham. So they adapt to their opponent. Now, whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know, because Burton, we said the same thing about. Uh, They caught us on the hop early doors and then we adjusted. So, you know, it's... Is a team adjusting to stop us? Does that mean it'll be a slow start for us? Then we'll look to try and adapt uh, and and kind of get back into the game. Who knows? They've scored a couple of early goals. Um, One of their threats up front is Morgan Ferrier, who uh, I think was at Boreham Wood, went to Walsall. Uh, But they're a veteran team. And that's Mm. the one thing that I would say is that we've got quite a bit of pace. But you think they've got James Vaughan up front who was obviously at Bradford, he's been at Everton, he's been pretty much everywhere. Uh, they've got David Perkins in midfield, who's 37. They've got Peter Clark at the centre of their back four, who's 38. Mm-hmm. So there is, there's a bit of age in there, but when Alex Woodyard then adds that industry and does a little bit of the running for the players around him, like Perkins and, and Clark, who's at centre-half, it adds a little bit of a balance. Um, mm. I don't think that they're going... Uh, to win every game as it looks like they are doing. When you look at the teams that they've played recently, you've got Blackpool, who have been in free fall up until Neil Critchley coming in and they're trying to adjust to a new system, who they beat 2-1. Uh, and, and to be fair, Blackpool had 15 efforts, six on target. Tranmere had eight, two on target and scored with them both. Mm. They beat Accrington, they had two shots on target and scored, whereas Accrington had 14 efforts at goal. They beat Shrewsbury 3-2. Shrewsbury had five more efforts at goal than they did. Mm. When, they, uh, when they lost 3-1 to Wickham, they had two shots, one on goal, scored it. Wickham had 21 shots, eight on target. Mm. So in actual fact, and I'm not talking XG here, I'm talking about shots on target. You know, They scored two from two in their last match, two from two in the game before that, three from six in the game before that, and one from one in the game before that. Mm. So at the minute, they've been deadly but they're not actually creating an awful lot um, on their own pitch. You know, it's going to be pretty tough for us, uh, I, I, you know, I believe. But when you look at their three games that they've won recently, they've all been away from home, haven't they, I think? Mm. Yeah. So checking out. Yeah, I was going to say, that I, just going through some of the players there, I think the, the thing that makes me chuckle the most about Tranmere is that they've got a player called Corey Taylor, who's also the lead singer from Slipknot. Really? That's yeah. the thing that makes you chuckle. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to find something, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> their home games, uh, their last three home games, four home games, five home games, they've failed to score. 
mm. 6-0 to Man United, 1-0 to Sunderland, 3-0 to Doncaster, 2-0 to Portsmouth, 0-0 with Bristol Rovers. Away from home, in three games, they've scored seven goals. I wonder if there is a little bit of pressure at home. When you travel away, yeah, um, you take a core element of the support. And largely, that core element of the support is supportive. Uh, that sounds obvious, but you know, it's why away fans are often louder than home fans because 700 going away are concentrated in one area and they're all singing. Mm-hmm. 700 in a crowd of 3,000 at home are diluted. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get relatively decent crowds, and Tranmere do, you know, they've got a decent-sized stadium. They're, they're a big club. They're a League One club, in my opinion, in terms of stature. Mm-hmm. But you also then get an element of expectation. And I think we've seen it in certain games. There was the game where uh, we applaud, or we'll say we fans applauded when Josh Vickers did a big goal kick rather than did a big goal kick. What am I, six? Uh, <laughs> kicked the ball long from a goal kick instead of uh, instead of playing out from the back. And he got applauded for it. So, so there's an element when you're at home of additional pressure, I think. Mm. You know, they've got an awful pitch, mm. but that's probably going to suit them just as much as it, you know, as anything, because we, we like to try and play the ball around a bit and, and that's going to be really, really tough. Um, so what I was going to say about the pitch, because I mean, where do we, where do you sit on, on Tranmere being, you know, the, in my opinion, they should be stronger at home because they should, they should be able to get used to that pitch. They should know what to do with that pitch and they should use it to their advantage. But they just don't they seem play, to be doing that. They play far few, uh, far fewer passes than their opponents as well. Um, in in most of their games, I'm just running down, and there's only Wickham, I think, that played fewer passes. God, I bet that was an awful game to watch. Wickham mm. versus Tranmere, just two teams lumping at each other for ninety minutes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, it's it's hard because again, you know. If you're together, if everybody's together and you're, you know, think, think Keith, 2002-2003, our pitch was terrible, but our supporters were all you know, banded together and the atmosphere was horrible. So you weren't just turning up to play on a bad pitch, you were going to be playing in a, a, an atmosphere that was full of vitriol and we used that to our advantage. Um, but if at Tranmere, you know, they've got a bad pitch, but a thousand or so of the fans groan when a pass goes astray and passes will go astray, you know, very quickly the atmosphere can turn. And it's almost like that anti-atmosphere that you know, we could take 10 fans at the weekend. But if Tranmere's home fans turn on them, it's almost like we would have several hundred. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. quite often a groan can have a bigger impact on the home side than than hearing the away team singing, the away fans singing, in my opinion. Um, mm. That's not to say that Tranmere won't give us a, a, a game that, you know, they're, they're banging form in terms of their victories they're taking their chances when they're presented um you know they've they've got the wind in their sails when you look at the fixtures that they've got coming up they know that they they've got us and Wimbledon uh ahead I think they're the next two games but when you look at their running and you look at their final few games they've got to win Mm. their next set of fixtures They've mm. absolutely got to win them. Tomorrow for them is, uh, so it was interesting, I was having a conversation about must-win games. Mm. For us, tomorrow is not a must-win game. Okay, it, On the face of it, people would say it is, but if we don't beat Tranmere, 
we're not 8, 10, 12 points adrift of anybody. We've got Wimbledon at home. We've got Rochdale at home. We've got Bristol Rovers away. We've got the sorts of games coming up that we're likely to actually pick up silly points in. Coventry at home, Doncaster at home, two games where you could actually see us going out and getting points. So it's not a must-win game by any stretch of the imagination. But for Tranmere it is, because you think that um, you know, they've got, obviously, Wimbledon next week, but Wimbledon could pick up points tomorrow, and that, that would leave Tranmere further adrift. And when you look at the, their, their running, so they've mm. got us, Rochdale, Wimbledon, and MK Dons. They're their next four games. They have got to win three of those games, because after that, away at Doncaster, at home to Rotherham, away at Gillingham, at home to Fleetwood, Oxford, away at Peterborough. Now, given their form, and given the chances that they're creating, you don't give them an awful lot of hope of picking up six points out of those final few games. Mm. And all the teams at the bottom, Wimbledon aren't losing that many. They're drawing a few. They're picking up the odd point here and there. You know, Tranmere is still the team that are playing catch-up to a degree, and they mm. know that they've got to get this good run out of the way. If we go there and take a point from them, both teams will arguably be happy. Us, because it more or less makes us safe, more or less, not mathematically, until the calculator says it, as I've said, I won't believe it. But if we go there and win, happy days. Mm. But, you know, they've got one eye on those final fixtures. Yeah, 100%. And I think that you say about the must-win games, I think there will be people that try and convince us that it's a must-win game on Saturday, but, you know, we're 15th in the table at this point. And I know, I know what you just said about, you know, the mathematical certainty and everything. We're 15th in the table to drop to 21st. It's, it's going to take the kind of form that Tranmere are showing at the minute over the past three games. It's going to take that kind of form for the rest of the season and us to turn into Ipswich in terms of form, you know, for what, four or five teams below us. It's, I keep, I keep saying to people, we're going to be fine. And I, I truly believe it. But like you say, the calculator still says at the minute. So I don't say we're going to be fine while Tranmere are winning games. If I'm honest, won't be, if you take their game in hand, what, what are they 10 points now? And if they, they still got a game in hand, and if they won that, it'd be seven. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I'm not sure if I've got my games right there. Yeah, that's um, right. And so then if they beat us, technically, that gap then goes down to four points. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, my you know four points isn't an awful lot to overhaul. You know We've got Coventry next week, and they've got Wimbledon. So let's assume that we lose to the top of the table and they beat Wimbledon. Boom, it's one point. Okay, then Wimbledon are still down below us. But, you know, football moves very, very quickly. And I'm not naive enough um, to believe that we're safe. I don't think we're going to go down, as I said on a dog walk video earlier in the year. But, yeah, I I think there's games further on that we can pick up points in. Certainly not Mm. a must-win game tomorrow. Aldershot at home in 2011 was a must-win game. Yep. Um, You know, MK Don's away last season in terms of promotion was a must-win game, lose that, and it was always going to be a little bit tougher. Um, yeah. But again, you know, we could have, at, at the time, we didn't know that. Looking back now, that was the win that won it. So you won the title. So you, you never really know what a must-win game is unless you know that if you don't win it, you are going to be in this position or that position. So the only must-win game that we might have between now and the end of the season is if suddenly we do have that collapse and we go into Rochdale at home and we're last day of the season, needing a win to be safe. Mm-hmm. I don't think we will. 
and I'm not going to sit back and believe that until until it actually happens. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're kind of in the, on the same page, but I think I'm probably I'm, I'm trying to put as optimistic as a, a spin on it as I can. Pessimist is never disappointed. No, absolutely. Um, it was a song, you know, by a band called The Audience. Sophie Ellis Baxter was the lead singer, and people often forget that she was a singer in a band before she went on to do whatever else she did. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, cool. So, I mean, are we going to predict anything for Saturday? Uh, yes, because I'm so spectacularly bad at predicting. Uh, we'll lose 4-0. Alex Woodyard will play all 90 minutes and not get sent off. Anthony Scully will not score, and Joe Morrell will not score. Cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, we will say that. And I'm sure everyone that's listening can hear us winking when we say it. So all good. No, I, don't, I don't think the I don't think it, the curse works then. <laughs> James Vaughan will definitely score. Uh, and uh, Alex Woodyard will definitely score against us as well. Yeah. Um, right. So let's have a look. Was, was there anything else we needed to talk about? No, I think we've covered it all. Coronavirus, uh, mental health, Sophie Ellis Baxter. <laughs> I saw Sophie Ellis Baxter football. at. Uh, I, I saw Sophie Ellis Baxter at a, a gig, not a gig, because um, that would have implied I was going to see her at a gig. Um, it was at a, um, a theme park. We went to Thorpe Park uh, when they uh, when Darren Brown did his little scary ride that involved a bunch of VR headsets. We got invited to a, a press day or press evening um through the games website and we went there and uh we i met sophie ellis baxter i met uh greg wallace and david seaman um they were all at this press event which was just completely weird like sounds to me like you were tripping on mushrooms ben <laughs> we went we went down to bloody thought park like after work so i left work at five o'clock got down to Thought Park at about eight o'clock, and honestly, between eight o'clock and about it must have been about midnight, the whole park was completely open, but it was completely empty because it was just the people that had been invited to this event. So we went on everything at stupid o'clock at night. It was the most bizarre day of my life. Mm-hmm. Met loads of celebs. There we go. I can't think of a bizarre day that I've ever had. I suppose there must be one. Yeah, it was that time we went to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. That was pretty bizarre. Uh, whatever. I'm not having that. <laughs> You've been reading Twitter and you're trying. To I have, yeah. A, I have. Reaction. I have. I've been trying to. I've just, yeah, just a little bit of needle in there. That's the only time you'll ever see me fishing. Then, anyway. I, I, no, you're right. I'll defend myself. For those who don't know, I said on Twitter that I won't celebrate the anniversary of us going to Arsenal because we lost. Uh, I've never watched a game back. I've no desire to watch the game back because we were beaten five nil. I stand by that. I'm not saying that I didn't have a good day because I did. I had a great day out. We went to London. We got drunk. Um, <laughs> I remember stopping in Barnet. I met Glenn Cockrell in the queue. Uh, it was uh, you know, stadium. We we held our own for 41 minutes. But yeah, it was that. It was a day out. I'm not. I don't support Lincoln City for days out. <laughs> if I want days out, I'll go to. Thought Park with Sophie Alice Bexter and bloody <laughs> Wallace and Gromit or whoever you went with. But I don't, Wallace that's not and Gromit. I, well, I forgot whoever you said. Was he a Rangers player? Greg Wallace and David Seam. Greg Wallace is the MasterChef dude, the one that looks like an egg with a pair of glasses. Oh, okay. I thought he was, I thought he was um, Ross and Rod's brother. Anyway, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> I didn't really. I know who he was. Yeah. <laughs> Master Chef dude who's never actually been a chef. Yes. So, yeah, basically like me going on and judging Love Island because I've never been a shagger. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, but no. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Calm down. I think that's probably the funniest thing you've ever said. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah I, that's what, I'm not a football fan. For days out, I'm a football fan for seeing my team win. And, you know, I'll happily acknowledge the wonderful achievement that we had, but the prize in the FA Cup wasn't going to the Emirates. It was mm. the massive bank account afterwards that allowed us to become a League One club. That was the prize. And mm. if anyone says to me, what's the best day out you've ever had with Lincoln? I'm not going to say, oh, well, 9,000 of us, 9,000 that we didn't get at home games at the time, went along to Arsenal. People are, do you know what I mean? It was, yeah, mm. it was it was a day out, but it wasn't, you know, Burnley away was the was the day. Ipswich at home stands out from the, that, but you know, my day out the day out at Wembley was better because it wasn't just a day out. We went and won something. Mm. So, and that's not yeah. to say I didn't enjoy Arsenal away. I'm just saying, I'm just miserable when it comes to losing games of football. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, right, so I think we'll probably uh, we'll probably end it there. Um, just. Um, Moses Swaber update is that there isn't one, um, but we will keep uh, we'll, we'll keep at it. Not really um, an update then, but is it? That's like coronavirus update. Republic of Ireland schools are shut just in case it's changed from when we first started recording. Uh, um, I have something to promote. Is, are you going to ask me that about promoting stuff? Well, yeah, I was I was going to say um, either that, but um, or we need to uh, we need to possibly. Um, arrange for Olivia Marston to come on the podcast uh, in the closed season to talk about her dog, uh, dog pajamas. What? Who? <laughs> uh, Jack Mulhall, uh, Jack Mulhall's other half. Uh, they've they're currently in uh, Denmark, and I believe they're going to have to stay in Denmark for two weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, his other half had some uh, some pajamas that he put a photo of on Twitter earlier, which I thought were brilliant. They've oh, got dogs okay. and donuts on them. I didn't realise he was actually in Denmark. I saw him putting about Jack staying in Denmark. I thought he was taking the the mick. <laughs> no. yeah, you know what Jack's like. He's a little bit off the wall at times with his humour, <laughs> isn't he? I, I just thought, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, I am going to promote uh, the Pete, Peter Burr Memorial Cup. Yes. Which is uh, in aid of the British Heart Foundation. Uh, Gary Burr. Uh, is, is is the driving force behind it. Uh, you've got a bit of time yet. It's on Friday, April the 17th. It's the former Imps are playing against the British Heart Foundation team. Um, even more important uh, now for local football as well, because the refreshments and that sort of money goes to, towards Lincoln United, who are also struggling. But obviously the, the British Heart Foundation is, is, the, is the main focus. Um, fantastic evening i've heard even uh andy person is going to be refereeing and apparently he hurt himself last year i don't remember Did that he? twitter diary day 394,672 no. definitely didn't uh, make anything of it did he no he didn't but he still managed to make it to the awards night didn't he that he wasn't <laughs> going to make it to because it was too corporate until he got offered a ticket two days beforehand um I love you, Andy. Um, <laughs> I do, genuinely. I do. I've got massive respect for Andy. I, I, I love him. Uh, not in that way, uh, obviously. Otherwise, I probably would be judging Love Island. Um, so, yeah, we're on to uh, British Heart Foundation. Uh, it's April the 17th. Do make sure you go along. Lots of uh, lots of former Lincoln City players there. Uh, so, yeah, be a, be a good night. Absolutely. 
yeah um i've not got anything to plug this week but um yeah absolutely go along to that it should be a should be a good day so um right well there's an hope- well wait there's an slo walk as well isn't there um yes the yes yes, yes walk, which, of course yes yeah i thought you were going to chip in there but you've let the side down so i've had to rescue sorry us. Um, it, it looked like i'd only just remembered as well didn't it but no <laughs> that's not the case um the details of that which i don't have to hand even though i clearly did remember it um can be found <laughs> on my site uh if you go on stacywest.net and about 10 posts down uh it mentions um uh, uh, it mentions the good causes you can can work with. It's a group of Lincoln City fans, uh, SLOs, and, and and a group of others who are raising money for the visually impaired uh, to help them enjoy games at Sinsel Bank, which again is is a fantastic cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, pop along and, and and sponsor them. I think they're climbing Snowdon early morning so they can watch the sunrise from the top of Snowdon. Um, mm-hmm. Which fair play to them because I've heard there's a train to the top of Snowdon and I'd probably take that. But um, <laughs> you know massive respect i would imagine that will be quite a nice moment that mm. you know it's, it's quite symbolic as well isn't it kind of climbing snowden in the dark and when you reach the top seeing the sunrise and the money that they're raising is going to people that probably spend their time at Sinsel bank struggling and then hopefully the money can help them yeah absolutely see the game so that's uh, it's, if anyone didn't get the symbolism i think that's that's what's behind it yeah um definitely chip in for that because it's uh i say it's gonna be a great way to to raise some money so um, right, and hopefully the game will go ahead with a crowd on Saturday, and hopefully it'll go ahead going forward as well. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about games behind closed doors, and hopefully it doesn't come to that. But if it does, I'm sure there will be a lot of uh, a lot of contingency plans put in place for for all the Ims fans because it sounds like uh, sounds like got the board have got it in, in hand anyway at the moment. So. Oh. Right. Uh, <sighs> Sorry, I just yawned. I'll get f***ed. Um, no, genuinely, right. I did yawn. It wasn't at you either. I was just genuinely <laughs> yawning, and I realised the microphone would pick it up. I actually burped on about 25 minutes as well while you were talking, so if anyone heard that, I apologise. Scott Chegg hasn't quite broken down from <laughs> Fair enough. I might edit that bit out just because I swore. I did a bad swear. Um, <laughs> and right, we'll see you guys later. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Wash your hands. Yes, wash your hands. Bye. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. Participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.